Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. And what hath Trump wrought here? Oh, by the way, Mark Pocan, Congressman Mark Pocan, is, uh, we were planning on doing his Middays with Mark hour this hour, and he has a vote. And so he may show up any minute. Uh, he, he is going to be here as soon as possible. And so if you want to get in the queue, if you have a question for Congressman Pocan, uh, just, you know, give us a call now and, uh, and, you know, Chris will put you in the queue. So, you know, back to, you know, back to what's going on with Trump and DACA. By, by blowing up DACA, Donald Trump has now done something twice that may be an impeachable offense. The and and a, a significant one, a consequential one. Now, Republicans are looking at this, for example, uh, this from the, there's an article in The Hill today by uh, Niall Stanage. And he quotes. Oh, where did it go now? Uh, yeah, it, it quotes uh, Republican strategists. This is Luis Alvarado, and he says uh, he's a, a Republican strategist out of Los, out of Los Angeles. He says, uh, it, this, you know, the, the Trump blowing up DACA in six months, it is the topic of conversation in every Latino household. If this energy can be corralled and focused against Republicans in the 2018 elections, Republicans are going to suffer great losses. Hispanics are, you know, reaching numbers in the United States where they're consequential and meaningful voting bloc. And the Republican Party under Donald Trump, ever since he first started out his build a wall, the rapists and murderers, uh, has has been, you know, throwing that group off, you know, over the edge. But to the to the question of what did what did Donald Trump do that might get him impeached? Mark Joseph Stern has a fascinating piece um, over at uh, Slate, Slate.com. And the title of it is The United States Cannot Be Trusted, which I think is sort of burying the lead because the, the lead really should be Donald Trump has broken the Constitution. And, you know, let me give you the details on this and, you know, how this works and, and we'll get to this. And, and that is that the, the, the Fifth Amendment that, you know, you've, you've, you are entitled to due process. The Fourteenth Amendment that, you know, the reaffirming that you're entitled to due process. These, what, what, what that means, what does it mean to say, oh, hey, you're entitled to due process? 
What it means is that you have the, uh, you have the right as an American citizen to assume, broadly speaking, to assume that if the government says they're going to do something, they will. Or if they say they're not going to do something, they won't. I mean, this is the essence of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, is that if you, if you trust your gut, you have a right to trust your government. It's not a privilege to trust your government. It's a privilege to trust your government in tyrannical states, right? It's, it's, it's a privilege to trust your government in, in, in countries where, you know, if the, if, the, if the leader of the country, if some strongman tin pot dictator decides that they don't like you, they might just decide that, you know, whatever you did this afternoon was banned behavior. Oh, you, you know, you can't watch that particular TV show. Oh, you can't eat at that restaurant. You can't say that, whatever it may be, and boom, you're in jail. That's what you experience in, in countries that are not functioning democratic republics. This is, this, is how, this is how tyrants terrify, manipulate, and hold power over people. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is how, you know, Saddam Hussein and, and uh, you know, Assad and Syria, this is how these guys hold power. And Saddam no longer, obviously, but is, oh, you, we don't like what you had to say or we don't like what you're doing, we'll find a way to bring you down. So the, the principal premise in the United States of the whole, you know, you have a right to due process and, and, and your right to due process will not be withheld based on some discriminatory factor. Well, if you have a right to due process, you have the right to trust your government. If you have the right to trust your government, and you're a trans person in the military, and your government has told you it's okay to be out, no problem. And then you come out to your commanders and then Donald Trump tweets, oh, we're gonna kick out the trans people. He just broke the promise of the government. And people, people put their lives on the line. I mean, people gave, gave, their, gave all their information said, yeah, okay, I'm a, I'm a trans person here. And now, now Trump can go through the, through the military and say, okay, give me all the trans people. We're going we're gonna to kick them out. And they're, you know, people are just like bummed out and ripped up and all kinds of stuff. Okay, so that was the, that was the older one. The new one is DACA. We said to 790,000 young people, if you came to this country at an early age, it was not your choice. You've lived in America, you speak the language, you've graduated, you're in school or you're working or you're in the military or whatever. If you're, if you're doing this, you can give us, you can give us, the federal government, you can give us all your information. Where do you live? What's your phone number? You can, you can do all this stuff. We'll provide you with a, with a number that's not quite a social security number, but you can use it for one, for employment. I mean, you know, we've, we've, we worked this whole deal out with them. And about 800,000 people came out of the shadows and said, yeah, I want to start this process to become a U.S. citizen. And then Trump comes along and says, no, no, we're going to blow that away too. Now, this is, this is two instances of, of Donald Trump basically breaking, breaking, uh, you know, his promise, breaking, you know, it's, it's just the, the you have breaking faith with the American people. I don't know how to say it beyond that, but I mean, it's just, this is two examples. And there's not a specific law against this, to the best of my knowledge. But as the president, Trump took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And, and a core part of the Constitution is the idea that you have the right to trust your government. If the government says something, you can take it to the bank. I mean, in some cases, literally, right? Governments create marketplaces. Gover you know, our government regulates our currency, the things that you need to take to the bank.
So, you know, this this is the very, very straightforward. We're going to have to fill this break. This is the very straightforward uh, thing that's that's going on is that, you know, if Trump has broken faith with with the United States government, best by knowledge, no president has ever done that before. If if Trump is doing that, there are some who assert that that is an impeachable offense because it's it's breaking his oath. Your thoughts? Not sure when Congressman Pocan's going to be here. You can talk to me, too. We'll be back. Welcome back. And Congressman Mark Pocan is now with us. He, uh, he had a vote which uh, pulled him away from the very beginning of the show here. But, uh, Congressman, welcome. Hey, thanks, Tom. Uh, in fact, the vote is still going on, but uh, we're finally... Um we may actually have Republicans voting for hurricane relief, which we know we haven't seen previously. So Whoa. Uh, maybe a, a good moment here. Yeah, remarkable stuff. And, and you know, let me remind our, our listeners that, you know, if they want to, if they have a question for you or, or you know, a comment, want to lobby you on something or whatever, I guess the lobby is the wrong word, but, well, no, we want citizen lobbyists, don't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, we want people to, to say, hey, this is what I care about. But what, what, it, it just, before we pick up phone calls, just a quick overview. What's what's going on right now in Congress? It, it seems like you've got a lot on your plate this week. Yeah, I mean it's a it's going to be a busy September. I mean the president just threw the, uh, the DACA issue in our lap, so we have to finish things so we don't shut down government uh, now. Probably by September 30th, because with this hurricane relief, that uh, debt ceiling uh, date moves up to probably closer to September 30th. Uh, they still are talking tax reform. Who knows what will happen with health care and uh, infrastructure allegedly is on the table, but probably at the far edge at this point. Mm. And do you, is it your sense that by blowing up DACA that, that Donald Trump has damaged himself and the Republican Party? I'm, I'm seeing op-eds and you know, you know, writers suggesting that this is a bridge too far, that, that you know, at, at some point the Republican Party and in many places, the Republican Party needs the Hispanic vote. And, and this, is, this is the equivalent of, of uh, in reverse, of Lyndon Johnson signing the Civil Rights Act, you know. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I think this is, you know, a sign this guy has been so incredibly xenophobic, um, uh, potentially racist in so many actions since Charlottesville that I thought, as we've talked before, I thought were the rock bottom but going after 800,000 people in this category, I mean, you know, this is not something that a lot of Republicans believe as well, but they're still going to have a problem passing something in Congress because it's Congress. So, uh, you know, the Tea Party still wagging the, the, the tail of, of Congress. So, uh, you know, this is unfortunately um, another new low in this administration and, and the fact that Mitch McConnell's been largely silent. Paul Ryan, you know, he's barked a little bit, but, you know, he's back to wagging his tail. Um, I don't know if, if they'll actually stand up to this guy or not. On the legislation that you were just voting on, is are they doing a clean uh, hurricane relief bill? Yes, and uh, right now the vote um, is at 338 to 1, and even that one may flip because I watched uh, one flip before, so we'll see if someone um, will vote against this or not. But, you know, think how different this is when Hurricane Sandy, when every Texas Republican but one uh, voted against hurricane relief, and now we've got Ted Cruz and the rest coming up with the lamest reasons why uh, you know they didn't want to share the responsibility. You know, th- this is just uh, part of why 2018 is so important uh, when people look forward. Why we need to change some of the faces of people here. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So, you want to pick up some phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Stephen in Nashville, Tennessee, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Hey, you're on the air, Stephen. Hey, yeah. Um, I was just calling to tell you... Hold on, let me get my notes. I would have... It's been a while since... Okay, um, a DACA repeal. Um, in trans- okay, um, I'm sorry, I was doing two things at once. Uh, I just wanted to tell you that the uh, DACA repeal and the trans ban that uh, Donald Trump just recently did, um, it's making our country look just, just terrible. Um... You know, it's making China look at us and say, look what they're doing. You think we're bad? Look what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Stephen, thank you. Good comments. Congressman, just uh, FYI, when the first segment of the show, um, I started off with a rant about how, uh, you know, based on an article by Mark Joseph Stern over at uh, Slate right now, 
titled The United States Cannot Be Trusted. And he's suggesting that twice now, people, vulnerable people, trans people in the military, uh, a couple months ago and, and now yesterday, these uh, dreamers, these young kids, um, twice now people have said, yes, federal government, I believe you and I trust you. Here is my private information. Please do not use it against me. And twice now, Trump has said, thank you very much. We're going to use this against you. And Stern is suggesting that that's an impeachable offense because the, the core, one of the core concepts of the Constitution, particularly defined in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, is due process, which means you have, the, you have the absolute right to believe that your government is going to tell you the truth. Your thoughts, Congressman? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, I know you recently had John Nichols on, and I, I know he has a new book out, um, Horseman of the Trumpocalypse, if I can say right. it correctly. But he also wrote a book previously on impeachment, you know, and, and he's made the case to me and others that, you know, a lot of people were just talking about Russia on this, but he sees several other fronts as well that we should be looking at as um, we, we consider the future of uh, the guy who's uh, doing all this to our country right now. So I think, you know, this uh, is something else that we need to be looking at as we move forward. There, of course, the problem is and has been we need Republican votes to do anything. Yeah. But this meme of the United States can't be trusted, this seems like something that the Democratic Party should grab hold of and run with. It's the kind of thing that the, if, if the tables were turned, Republicans, you know, if it was President Clinton and, and twice she had gone back on promises that put hundreds of thousands of people at risk, at personal peril, they would be just beating the bejesus out of her. Well, and there are a lot of people in, you know, that, that base that the, voted for him that uh, personally strongly believe in this, you know, privacy, right? Privacy is an important issue for a lot of reasons they have, they think, privacy right. around their guns, etc. So, you know, I had a, a really regular Tea Party person on Facebook comment when the transgender pan uh, happened saying, I disagree with this. And I think you're seeing some people say the same thing around DACA. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Absolutely. Congressman Mark Pocan with us. It's Middays with Mark. Congressman Pocan taking your calls uh, right after this break. You can uh, find his, uh, his web information at pocan.house.gov, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. And you can tweet, tweet him at rep, R-E-P, as in representative, rep Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team, and boy, the games just get better and better. Every, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, promo code TOM. Void where prohibited. Welcome back. It's our Middays with Mark Hour. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Congressman, you're still with us? I am. I'm and, here. Great. And so let's start out with Rick in Weston, Weston, West Virginia. Hey, Rick, you're on yeah, the air with Congressman. Yeah, a little bit of Appalachia. Hello, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Pocan. Uh, may I ask you a question, sir? Sure, Rick. Uh, I saw on the news, now I watch... Now, I, we don't have Wi-Fi internet up here unless you got 60 bucks a month to get a satellite dish from Frontier or, or whatever. So I get a lot of my news from Free Speech TV, and I watch NBC, and I watch Fox, the opposition. You know, most of it's propaganda on all sides. Is it true that uh, now I believe her, she's a female senator from Missouri is welcoming President Trump to give his... Uh, uh, tax uh, uh, reform, whatever they want to call it, to kick off out in Missouri? Is that true, sir? I, I missed the first part of the question. I apologize. He's, I think he's wondering if Claire McCaskill was oh, no, was welcoming Claire Donald McCaskill. Trump. She was on a oh, quilt, I, Tom. I, I, uh, no, she's got a last name like Hayden Cooper. You know, maybe probably I, I, I in North Dakota? No, yeah. Missouri, I believe. Hayden Camp? Yeah. yeah. That'd be McCaskill, but no, I, I don't know offhand, Rick. Um, you know, I, I think I've seen one Democrat um, publicly say that they think we should be 
looking at lowering the corporate rate. For, for the most part, we've been saying uh, pretty consistently any tax reform can't focus just on the wealthiest in this country. It has to focus on um, real people, working people, uh, the middle class, those aspiring to be in the middle class. So uh, I think our priorities are, are obviously in that side, um, but I couldn't tell you specifically if there's a, an event where um, Claire McCaskill or someone else is introducing President Trump. I, I would probably be very surprised to find that out. Yeah, I'd be astonished if she did that. Chris in Petaluma, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Uh, I just heard somebody say, and I wonder if this is true, uh, could they do standalone DACA in Congress without doing comprehensive uh, reform? Could they just attack this one issue? Well, absolutely, Chris. I mean, you know, the the main bill that the Democrats have out there is the DREAM Act. Uh, and um, I think you're finding Democrats, without exception, rallying behind that. There have been several other vehicles that go, uh, one a little drop farther, uh, that's Luis Gutierrez, although he's completely supportive of the efforts to get the DREAM Act done. Uh, there are a few Republican proposals that don't go far enough, but the DREAM Act has been the one that essentially would um, keep in place what we currently have. You don't have to do... Uh, other things around this. In fact, I would argue, you know, just keeping this the current law right now makes a lot of sense. I want to have comprehensive ta- uh, comprehensive immigration reform, but I don't know um, if, uh, you know, with this Congress, you're going to necessarily get that done, but we have to get the DACA done. 800,000 people's lives are in the balance, and we're already getting calls from people who are afraid and don't know what to do. And this is more than, you know, uh, Donald Trump appealing to his very fine people at the Klan and um, uh, you know, the alt-right and the white supremacists. I mean, I'm a little tired of that right now. Uh, this is affecting real people across the country, real businesses, um, real families. And, you know, we're going to press to get this done in September. And if it doesn't get done, we're going to attach it to every major piece of legislation that goes through Congress. We had a press conference this morning saying that. That is great. That is great. Mike in Fairview, Michigan, you're on the air with Congress in Pocan. Uh, Mr. Harmon. Um, I don't, I, you're, you're an inspiration and a true American. Um, my question to Mr. Our Congressman Pocan is, Randy Bryce, um, is the Democratic Party going to get behind somebody like this guy? Uh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with Tom in the past. Um, you know, the first person the Progressive Caucus endorsed. Uh, has been Randy Bryce. Uh, we're watching, you know, it's in my state. I have, I have the neighboring district to me. I'm watching um, a lot of folks get behind this person in my for, state. For people who don't recognize the name, this is the guy who's the Democrat who's running against Paul Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Pardon, pardon my interrupting. No, 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 thank you. And uh, no, I, I think you're seeing some real uh, movement, uh, realizing that this is a speaker who it's been over 600 and I think 90 days now that he hasn't done a public town hall. He recently did a little media event with CNN with, you know, certain people allowed to ask certain questions. But, uh, you know, he's not meeting with his constituents. He's traveling around the country raising money for other Republicans. He wrote a bill that's going to drop tens of millions of people from health care, including 49,000 people in his own district from Medicaid, including 6,000-plus children in his wow. own district. People are starting to get the hint, and I think uh, people are seeing Randy as a real viable alternative. And there's some polling, I think, coming out this week that's going to show just that. Yeah, this could be a, a very interesting race. Yeah. David in Woodland Hills, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you. That was fantastic to hear. Um, we often talk about the Democrats' difficulty in messaging. So I have a slogan for you, which hopefully will be helpful, and I have a variation on it as well. The slogan is, free education, universal health care. Only Democrats promote the general welfare. Mm-hmm. And the variation would be, I can see Fox News seizing on the two words, Democrats and welfare, and it's, it'll be a, a bloody mess. So the, the alternate would be free education, universal health care. The Constitution declares promote the general welfare, because mm-hmm. both messages are important. The Constitution calls for it, and only Democrats do it. Okay, David, thank you. Congressman? Yeah, I'll tell you, David, you know, this is something that I think is important when we reach out to voters, uh, two things. One, um, we have to emphasize our values, um, maybe rather than specific issues, because I think, you know, I've said before, values unite, issues divide. 
And I think that people, uh, most Americans, share with us the values of access to public education, healthcare, et cetera. So you're, you're on, on on those issues for sure. Um, but secondly is, you know, I think we missed in 2016 having a, a good, distinct economic message. And I think that when we saw the Better Deal proposal come out of the um, con- congressional Dems and the Senate Dems, uh, what we saw was a recognition that we need to talk about what people talk about at their kitchen tables, which is, can you afford your rent or mortgage? Can you send your kid to college if they want to? Do you have health care for your family? Can you take a family vacation? If you focus on those issues, you're getting people's attention, and we can talk about a lot of other issues. But those are the core issues. So I think you know, you're bringing them up, and I think it's how we say it exactly. I don't know if there's going to be a magic set of words how we say it, but I do think those core values are what we have to put out there. And I'm happy to see that there is a recognition of that going forward into next year. Amen. David in Green, Greenfield, California. David, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. I was wondering if I could ask a favor. Uh, you know those town hall meetings that you've been doing in Ryan's district? Um, my uh, congressman here is Jimmy Panetta here in California. And we have a neighboring district that uh, is uh, run by Devin Nunez. Mm-hmm. I would really like it if he would go over there and do some town hall meetings and maybe get rid of this guy and so that we can take over the House. And I was wondering if you could talk to him because I've been asking, you know, the uh, you know people in his office and I don't seem to be getting anywhere. Sure. Uh, David, I'll, I'll be glad to reach out to him. I can tell you the good news is there's a number of members in the California delegation who already are going to other districts. You know, one of the ideas behind this, and we started it with the Progressive Caucus, was adopt a district. And uh, the idea is that I will keep going to Paul Ryan's district rather than a bunch of others. So as members start to look at where they're going to make a commitment to continue, uh, it, it may be Jimmy, it may be someone else, but I think, you know, uh, Devin Nunez has certainly given us plenty of reason to uh, want to explore possibilities uh, of a new career for him next year, given uh, how he's handled himself on the intelligence community, but I'll uh, I'll do your personal request. I'll talk to Jimmy, but uh, we could have other people willing to come there as well. Your your delegation is really stepping up because there's a lot of seats in California that could flip uh, in 2018. Great news, Steve in McVeightown, Pennsylvania. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, thanks a lot for taking my call, and I'll make this quick. Uh, there was a number of scholars I seen on TV in the last day or two, uh, and this morning Roberto Gonzalez was on there too, and he said this was a good thing that Trump did because if you continue with DACA, it's just going to kick it down the road, and there's uncertainty for all these dreamers. But if you force Congress, which my understanding is a majority of Americans and Congress members want something more permanent, this forces their hand in doing something more permanent instead of just having this uncertainty continue. And my thing with whatever Congress is going to put through is I don't think there should be a pathway to citizenship, because whatever you're going to put through Congress and vote on is going to have a direct effect of future parents bringing their kids into this country. I was wondering what you thought of that. Yeah, you know, Steve, I think there's a lot of people right now that are going to be trying to make Donald Trump not look like a xenophobic racist idiot. Um, it's a hard task, <laughs> but there are going to be a lot of people going out there trying to do that and spin it. But think about it. Would you really entrust anything to Congress right now? Uh, he has not been able in eight months to get a health care bill that was one of his top priorities through Congress. Would you then really put the lives of 800,000 people out there? Um, I don't think that's a serious uh, recognition. I think it's people kind of justifying his most recent bad behavior. Yeah, this is the classic uh, lipstick on the pig thing. Welcome back. Andrew, watching Free Speech TV in Massapequa, New York. Am I saying it right, Andrew? Hello. Uh, thank you for your uh, work uh, in service to the American people, Congressman Pocan. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to mention that I think it's important to uh, refer to what the Republicans are trying to do to the tax code as something other than tax reform. I think calling it tax reform is buying into their narrative. And if we're going to defeat any effort to cut taxes on millionaires and billionaires, we better stop calling it what they're calling it. It is not tax reform. And uh, that's all I had to say. Uh, Andrew, a good good point. Uh, we appreciate that. Just like when we talk about um, within the ACA trying to get rid of the uh, excise tax, some people call it the Cadillac tax, but of course it's uh, 
people have negotiated in unions for that in lieu of wages. I think that's a slight to call it the wrong thing. I think it's a good point. Um, our, our biggest challenge right now is we don't exactly know what they're putting out there, so it's a little hard to address directly, but um, we know it's tax cuts for the wealthy. We just haven't seen which wealthy and which tax cuts exactly, how much is moving uh, upwards, and I appreciate what you're suggesting. Fat, tax, fat cat tax cuts. That there doesn't, you go. That's hard to say fast three times, though. Yeah. Okay, Gary in Cooperstown, New York, watching Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan, and Tom, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to say that the only time I saw anyone defend um, President Obama's executive order was Al Franken yesterday with uh, Chris Matthews. And he cited the fact that uh, George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan did similar executive orders on immigration. And he thought that it being illegal or unconstitutional was bogus. I just wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, Gary, I mean, really good point. In fact, most recently, to show the hypocrisy of what he's doing, you know, he just saw a poll where I think it's 74%. There it was over 70% of people support uh, the DACA law. And now he's saying if Congress doesn't act in six months that he'll revisit the issue. Um, well, he just said the reason he was passing it to Congress was because it's unconstitutional. But now he's willing to consider unconstitutionality in six months if Congress that can't get anything done can't get anything done. It just shows that, again, he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. He puts these ideas out there. He says them at rallies. Uh, some people, you know, give him a bunch of high fives uh, uh, in the alt-right movement, and he thinks he's governing. And in Well, reality, he's also trying to have it both ways, isn't no, he? I mean, and he's trying to. I mean, he's saying on the one hand, yeah, we're going to get rid of these, uh, you know, young brown people who came here from Mexico. Uh, you know, to his to his white racist base. And then at the same time to the Hispanic community, he's saying, well, you know, if Congress doesn't fix this, I'll fix it. Don't worry. And it's like, I don't see how you can have it both ways. No. And I think what happened from what I'm understanding, just what I've heard in the last 24 hours is he went out there and even his own people don't think he fully understood what he was doing, which of course is no surprise to anyone who listens to your program. But, uh, and now he's trying to reel a part of it back in. But again, you know, now we've got Congress, which I wouldn't put any bets on to do the right thing, trying to now put this issue on top of their agenda. Yeah. Congressman, we just have about 20 seconds. How, any sense of how Republicans are responding to this? Well, you know, that's what we're kind of waiting and seeing. You know, a few of them are, are showing, you know, some courage, including some senators, Lindsey Graham, I believe, and right. um, uh, Jeff Flake and uh, a few others uh, got singled out in our press conference this morning. Uh, and I think we'll have some House members as well. But we need them to actually stand up and do something because just saying they agree with us isn't enough. Um, when we put something forward in September, we expect them to be with us. And if not, be with us when we amend other bills. There you go. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls right after the sticker. Welcome back. Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls here on the Tom Hartman program. And Tony in Wilmington, Delaware, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Mr. Hartman. Uh, thanks for having uh, the congressman on. Thank you, Congressman, for coming on. I was calling because, uh, you know, uh, you know, we we keep on hearing like people like uh, uh, Ryan come on television talking about the hypocrisy of the, uh, you know, the audacity of the, the Democratic Party attaching something to the, the hurricane relief when they did the exact same, same thing to Sandy. I just want to say that, you know, I just, you know, the Democrats got to start really start hammering and stop being timid and worrying about. Well, you know, everybody, you know, we want to be doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing. Attack because in the words of an immortal person, there is no such thing as try, just do. Yeah, Tony, I'll tell you, I, I'm seeing a shift. I, you know, I've seen, I saw the press conference we did today. People aren't trying to be soft around the edges on it. Um, our problem is sometimes getting the corporate media to, you know, put out what we're actually saying uh, in the 22 minutes that they sell in, uh, detergent and cover a little bit of news uh, in the meantime. Uh, so, you know, we've been very clear on a lot of these issues. People are pushing back hard in the Democratic Party. Uh, we see these as true attacks on core American values. So it's happening here. I just hope it gets translated. Congressman, I just uh, got a story from The Hill that I guess has to do with the original, that caller that we had way back when who was saying it's Heidi Heitkamp up to something. Yeah. Uh, John Hoven and Heidi Heitkamp are both expected to travel to North Dakota with Trump on Air Force One and have both welcomed the president's visit to their state. So that's what that person was talking about. I don't uh, I don't know what this means. And yeah. so, you know, uh, anyhow, we'll pick up some more calls here. Uh, Kelly in Berkeley, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Um, a number of us have 
experienced canvassers have been going out in Republican districts and canvassing door to door on issues. And the people are hungry to be signed up on issues. It's just totally amazing. And so I wanted to pass that along. And then also ask, would people of California be welcome or wanted to help the election in Wisconsin? Um, well, yeah, to your first point, I mean, I, I, you guys are doing a great job. I talked to Barbara Lee and Mark Desalny and others uh, quite a bit, especially in the Northern California area. And uh, congratulations. I mean, that outreach is going to be key because there's about at least a half a dozen congressional districts in California that are at play. And, you know, I think uh, everyone across the country um, can help uh, Randy in various ways and various ways of support. I, I just think that, you know, watch the race because it's a race that uh, there's some polling data that I believe is coming out this week that's going to be very, very interesting. And that's my home uh, district. I grew up in that district. My mom still lives there. My in-laws live on the other edge of the district. Um, Randy Bryce is a much better fit as far as who he is, an iron worker for that district, than someone who's out of touch, uh, Washington elite who you know drinks $350 bottles of wine. So anything people can do to recognize and watch that race would be helpful. Linda in Deerfield Beach, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, uh, thank you for taking my phone call. Um, number one, uh, I feel sorry for Texas. Uh, you know what they're going through that we are shortly about to go through. We don't know where it's going to go and the exact strength we're going to hit. But I heard something very scary, and I just wanted to know as a Floridian, they said FEMA aid is completely gone, it's drained. $1 billion they've used in one week, and there will be no aid for Florida. And I'm curious if that's really true. So that's what we're taking care of. If the bill that we just voted on, uh, which I think three people in the end voted against, um, has to go to the Senate, and as long as it's not amended, uh, by Friday we would run out of FEMA money. So that should extend uh, the life of FEMA. Now, if Irma comes through and we're watching close and thinking about you, Linda, you know, we're going to have to probably revisit that yet again. Um, but, you know, hopefully uh, it doesn't happen. Uh, but uh, with the bill passing by Friday, we should make sure that FEMA is fully um, uh, able to handle any emergencies that come as of Friday. Jason in Vancouver, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Tom. I uh, just want to say it's an honor to talk to you. I listen to you every day. You're awesome. Um, and, Congressman, I just wanted to say uh, what is the priority or chance of getting open primaries throughout the country because I noticed that it was uh, some issues in the last election because with uh, Florida or New York being closed. And yeah, that was my question. <laughs> yeah, Jason, so uh, good question. Uh, the, the problem is it's not as simple as just saying like open primaries are not because it's up to the states. Uh, we truly have open primaries in Wisconsin. It goes back to the days of fighting Bob LaFollette. Um, some states have caucuses, which are very, very closed. Some states have closed primaries. Some have they close the ability to register very early. So there's a, a lot of different laws out there, and this has largely been given to the state. So I don't expect that to change uh, immediately in the near future, although I would hope that as we talk about things like superdelegates, we also talk about these different structures because I do think there are significant differences between a caucus and an open primary and a closed primary, and I think that is almost as relevant an issue as the superdelegate issue is. Uh, we just, we have two minutes. Steve, you got a real quick question. Steve in Brunswick, Georgia, you got a real quick question for Congressman Pocan? Yeah, hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman Pocan. Uh, I was just wondering, if they cut taxes on the uh, uh, corporate taxes and they cut taxes on the rich people, well, then who's going to pay the taxes? Steve, you, that's a $100,000 question, right? I mean, actually, it's a real simple question. It, it means, you know, we're going to see a little bit, a nickel or two thrown at us, but then when you pay all the extra fees for things that they had to cut in order to fund that, um, you're going to wind up paying more, but it's a, a stealth tax increase on uh, middle class and those aspiring to be in the middle class so that we can uh, take care of their uh, campaign donors, quite bluntly. So uh, that's why we've got to fight anything they want to do. And don't forget that corporate tax rates are not the real rate that people pay. Uh, the effective tax rate is what people really pay. That's between 16 and 18 percent. So, you know, a lot of the rhetoric that they're going to put out there in the next few months, be prepared to counter the rhetoric because uh, I can hear it already, what they're doing in Washington. It's, it's not very truthful. Congressman, in the final minute here uh, of the hour, uh, what should we be watching for and, and 
is there anything that we, you know, we should be calling our members of Congress and saying, please do or don't do this particular thing? You know, I would say start with DACA. You know, I think it's real important that everyone reach out to their member of Congress and their senators about DACA uh, and then repeat that message on social media, because this is really important that we get this done. We need to put pressure to get it done in September. Um, also, you know, we're going to have the whatever comes through the budget this week, the appropriations process isn't real. We're probably going to have some kind of continuing resolution because Republicans still can't govern, even though they're in charge of everything. Just try to keep the priorities uh, that are out there on spending so that we're not cutting you know, programs like Meals on Wheels like the president originally proposed. But DACA and the budget are probably the two most pressing and just keep very aware of tax uh, issues. Yeah. It's it's. We live in, I keep saying, we live in, in interesting times. It's, it's, it's so true. Congressman Mark Pocan, you're doing such great work. And I, I should have mentioned also the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Great talking with you. Same here. We'll be back. Stick around. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. They have new contests starting every week, so there's no busted seasons. FanDuel has something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Hey, would you like to have Colin Kaepernick on your team? He's on mine. There's a lot of ways to put together and personalize your team, and boy, the games just get better and better. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code TOM, T-H-O-M. New users get free entry into the NFL Sunday Million with over $1 million in cash prizes when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com and sign up with promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. That's FanDuel, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com, promo code TOM. Void where prohibited. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with us is David Helvarg. He is the uh, journalist, the author, and president of the Blue Frontier campaign. Bluefront.org is the website. You can tweet him at blue underscore frontier. And uh, David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. So you have an article for the uh, Progressive Magazine, What Went Right with Harvey, What Didn't, and Why. First of all, what went right with Harvey? Um, I think disaster response has gotten considerably better since uh, I covered Katrina. and um, But a lot of it is the circumstances of the storms themselves. I mean, Katrina was like Irma. It, it hit with tremendous force and took out large uh, parts of the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And then the Army Corps' uh, uh, levees fa- failed and inundated New Orleans very rapidly. Um, and yet people don't know that, that actually about 90% of the city had evacuated. The military then closed off the city, and so you didn't have the citizen response where people were able to come back in with their boats and do the immediate rescue. In fact, at the time, FEMA was so dysfunctional under President Bush that uh, and, and the National Guard there, a third of their people in all their high-water vehicles were off in Iraq, plus their headquarters uh, flooded. So it was really the Coast Guard that came in and uh, and, and saved 33,000 people, but many more were killed by the force of the storm. Um, what we saw with Harvey is it wasn't so much the uh, wind damage as um, it was another massive rain event, which... Uh, you know, with, with fossil fuel-fired climate disruption, you have more moisture in the atmosphere, and we're seeing more um, torrential rain events. And, and it was the flooding and essentially the overrunning of the, the bayous and the rivers in uh, uh, East Texas, where, of course, they have no such animal as zoning, and therefore they've built over in all these exposed floodplains. But it was a gradual flood, so you saw a lot more damage than we saw in Katrina or even Sandy, but um, with the gradual flooding and the ability of people to come in. And and also uh, FEMA was rebuilt under Obama and and in one of his few decent appointments, uh, uh, Trump had appointed the head of the Alabama disaster relief to run FEMA, so they hadn't broken it up yet. The Coast Guard uh, still did about 10,000 rescues. I actually have a book I wrote called Rescue Warriors, the U.S. Coast Guard, America's Forgotten Heroes. But this time, uh, the rest of the armed services were there. So um, their their hoisting ability with rescue baskets, with cables, uh, putting swimmers on roofs and in the water, 
I was no longer limited to the Coast Guard. You had the uh, Air Force and uh, Army National Guard doing the same kind of rescues. And as I say, lots of the Cajun Navy and Texas folk on the ground with their own vehicles, you know, jacked up trucks and boats doing rescues. Um, I worry that, uh, of course, Irma, you know, the two factors are warmer oceans are supercharging our hurricanes. And then, of course, we're getting these greater rain events. I mean, Harvey was the third 500-year flood event to hit Houston area since 2001. Um, and, And Irma has just got tremendous power in terms of the being a cat five hitting Puerto Rico in the next 12 hours and then going up the east coast of Florida it looks like with as a cat four something at the scale of Andrew in 92 and I, I just talked yesterday with my friends in Miami who survived Andrew and are battening down now and, and you know Kathy and Carl are journalists and a social service uh, worker and you know, she still talks about the trauma, the, you know, disasters like this, what they leave in their wake. It's not just the physical damage. It's, it's you know, people with PTSD and you see it spikes in, in alcoholism and drug use. And, yeah, it's and like you're, 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 you're going along and you think life is all fine and everything's under control. And then all of a sudden your life gets turned upside down in a way that you have no control over. And for many people don't have the ability to recover from. And yeah, that's, I mean, that is a deeply wounding event. And I, I think, in a way, I was perversely lucky in that in that both my parents were, you know, war refugees, and I, I grew up with a sense that history can kick the struts out from under you at any time. And I think most people, it's hard to live with live a life that way. And yet, increasingly, that's that's our future, our, our failure to address some of the challenges uh, yeah. that we face. So, so, so of, you've uh, you've defined what went right with Harvey, and yeah. uh, so what didn't go right? What went horribly wrong with Harvey and why? Um, Harvey's a classic example of how we turn natural disasters into human catastrophes. Uh, A failure, particularly by like, you know, Texas and Florida and Washington politicians to recognize and adapt to rising sea levels, intensified storms, all the effects of fossil fuel-fired climate disruption. And on top of that, um, having bad policies in terms of coastal development, and and in the case of Texas, um, any kind of development, the uh, you know the the developers kind of ruled the nest in both uh, Texas and Florida, and the result is is known flood zones still get get the permits for development. And there's basically no zoning in either place. Right, and and, and it's fairly amazing. I mean, I was I was down in Florida on election night and. You know, seeing eroding beaches where they're building high rises uh, all along uh, both coasts of Florida, and and even you know, knowing the science and knowing the rates of erosion, and and yet ignoring those because there's a quick buck to make. And I think that there 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 are better models on how to develop on a coast and ocean. I mean, I the Golden Shore, my newest book, is all about California as a model to how to do it right. And I kind of feel like. Florida is almost our Doppinger. I mean, I, you know, like I say, I was on in Florida on election night when they voted to drown themselves, and now I'm just hoping it doesn't become a literal uh, event. Although I do do worry that we're going to see um, lots of casualties in this event. Yeah. Is it your sense that that the the Republican Party? I mean, we we have uh, these petrobillionaires in in the form of the Koch brothers and others who and Petro multimillionaires who have basically captured the Republican Party to the point that they're willing to individuals in the party are willing to lie about climate science. And and I think that most of them know that they're lying. Um, Is this are these extreme weather events uh, so shocking to to the American people that we might start having the same conversation that I just routinely come across when I'm watching Deutsche Welle or France 24 or uh, CBC News, uh, I mean, they'll just routinely interject comments about climate change into the into weather, weather coverage. David? Uh, I mean, hopefully that's that's going to happen. It's it's you know, it's kind of like the old Upton Sinclair quote. You know, it's it's hard to understand something when you're, you know, 
when your salary depends on your not understanding it. Mm. Right. Most Republicans are not stupid. And I've, I've talked to, um, you know, in our ocean lobbies and stuff, I've talked to Republicans who say, well, it's not about the science. It's about, you know, my constituents. And, and what they really mean is their primaries and the influence of, uh, you know, the fossil fuel industry. Which yeah, well, they're, they're the constituents that they're referring to are their donors. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, in the 90s, I wrote a book called The War Against the Greens, and it was interesting because then it was about, um, it was the creation of sort of what I call astroturf synthetic grassroots, the wise use movement, the militias that were basically driven by the public lands industries of the West, mining and timber. And, um, and at still that are. Time, at that time, it was, uh, you know, Western politicians of both parties that sort of defended these industries against environmental regulation or management. Um, but what happened with the, the Bush administration when, which was so oil heavy, followed up by, um, you know, by citizens V that opened up all this, this Coke money to the party. Um, you saw the Republicans kind of all the moderates shifted away and it became the party of oil. And, and I mean, I'm, you know, I work on ocean when, when I started my group 15 years ago, we had a, House Ocean Caucus that was, you know, co-chaired by three Democrats and three Republicans. And since then, those science-believing environmental moderate Republicans like Saxon of New Jersey and Gilchrist of Maryland were literally purged from their party. And it became the party of oil and uh, oil and deregulation and built itself, you know, built its base on bad things. I mean, you know, 30 years of racist dog whistles, and they finally attracted the dog that's in power now. And yep. I, I think the conversation is hard to get the major media to, you know, look at these multiple disasters and acknowledge the reality, which is, you know, Harvey happened last week. This week we had the hottest records, temperature records in California. It was 106 degrees across the bay from me in San Francisco. And I, I actually like the heat, but uh, you can hardly see anything because of all the haze from the forest fires that are going on across the West. So I, I think with these multiplying disasters of hurricanes and flooding and the whole West is alight, basically the U.S. Forest Service budget is going broke, just paying the firefighters, the hotshot firefighters. And and people, half, half the disasters are going unrecognized. I just, my last piece for the progressive was a rage against the dying of the reefs. Half the world's corals have died and, and uh, a lot of that's happened during this, this third global coral bleaching between 2014 and 2016, the three hottest years on record also saw more coral die globally than any time in history. We may, we're doing triage now. We're going to try and save the last 10%. But this is also, you know, this is a disaster for people who, you know, who depend on seafood, who, who live in these you know, islands that get storm protection from their reefs and also well, the it's a, it's a disaster for the web of life. Exactly. I mean, we're 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 driving the third, you know, I mean, the sixth global extinction, but um, it's happening now. And unless we, you know, what's more frustrating than despairing for me is we know what the solutions are. You know, transition off fossil fuels to clean energy, grow jobs, grow the economy. Um, you stop killing fish, they tend to grow back. I mean, we don't need to produce 100 million tons of plastic to wrap things in every year. We know the solutions. It's creating the political will to enact them, and and and, and why you know, in the wake of these disasters, the human instinct is I, I will rebuild out of the rubble. But maybe you don't want to rebuild in harm's way. Maybe you don't want federal flood insurance programs that put people in in the flood zones and on the barrier islands. Um, maybe you want to be you know make sensible choices, and hopefully, as you say, hopefully after uh, this this double whammy of. Harvey and, and now Irma in the midst of the worst uh, Western fires. There may be Jose behind that. David Halvarg, uh, bluefront.org, and you can tweet him at blue underscore frontier. Hang on. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Or at Halvarg, H-E-L-V-A-R-G. David, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Tom. Great talking with you. We'll be back. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And on the line with us is Dr. Christian Parenti, Ph.D., professor of Global Liberal Studies Program at New York University, author of several books, including Tropic of Chaos, Climate Change and the New Geography of Violence. 
uh, the website Christian Parenti, P-A-R-E-N-T-I.com. Christian, welcome to the program. Thank you. One correction, though, I'm not at NYU anymore. I'm at John Jay in the okay. economics program. Got to okay. give credit where credit is due. All right. There you go. So uh, the effects of climate change, what, to what extent is, in, in your opinion, is what we're looking at right now down in the Gulf, uh, you know, with Harvey and now we've got Irma and then behind yeah, Irma is Jose and behind Jose is now Kaia or something like that. There's, how, much is, how much of this is the new normal? Well, scientists are uh, increasingly confident in saying that the intensity of these hurricanes, not their occurrence, because hurricanes have always occurred, but their intensity is to some extent attributed to climate change. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is the question is, what's going to be the new normal? The thing is, there isn't going to be a new normal. The problem with climate change is that it is a process that is going to accelerate and, um, you know, in nonlinear fashion. That's what all of the science has been saying for really like 40 years now. And we also have observations now, a good 30 plus years of observations to match against the computer model projections from the early 80s. And these models have been pretty correct. And they suggest that a rate of change that is going to be nonlinear, that's going to accelerate. Interestingly, one of the things that has happened in the last 10 years is we've had a kind of a hurricane drought in the U.S., which has to do, in fact, with climate change and the warming of the land mass. And the, 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 so there, a higher percentage of hurricanes than normal have actually been turning away from the mainland. But that may be changing. And uh, these are very powerful hurricanes. And what my recent article in Jacobin was about was looking at how, the, how one of the earliest threats of climate change is uh, probably going to be a, a new urban crisis on the coast uh, sort of the urban fringe, uh, particularly the North Atlantic. And I wrote that before Harvey happened. And now we, we see, you know, one, one more incident of that uh, on top of Katrina. But you can imagine, okay, what happens if these types of major inundations to major cities start happening every couple of years uh, with price tags of, you know, the estimate now is what, maybe up to $180 billion dollars in Houston, these kinds of price tags for rebuilding, what could happen is there'll be finally a realization that sea level rises and the increase of intense storms threatens the coastal urban infrastructure and there will be a crisis of confidence and a collapse in property values, which then makes it that much harder for municipalities to try and defend themselves because to you know build bio shields and seawalls. They lose their tax base. Yeah, they need money for that. And so there's this really weird kind of rational in the short term, irrational long term, uh, hostage to property values and collective denial. I mean, who wants to be the first one to say, hey, I'm selling my house because I know it's going to be flooded in 20 years. No one's going to buy your house. Right. So uh, nonlinear is the magic word here that, that many of our listeners may not have uh, picked up on or understood. Um, linear change is where, you know, year one, the temperature goes up one degree, year two, it goes up, a, you know, another one, you know, just a straight line, basically. Um, Nonlinear, uh, whether it's a log function or something else, is where, you know, it's, it's not going in a straight line. It's starting to shoot up. This was Michael Mann's hockey stick, basically. And, yeah. uh, you know, that Al Gore popularized. Um, how, how rapid do you expect change to be happening I mean, here we are, it's 2017, 2020 is, you know, two and a half years away. 2030 is only 22 and a half years away. Um, uh, or, you know, 12, 12 and a half years, excuse yeah. me. Um, what, how is the world going to be different? Well, you know, I, I'm not in the prediction business. I mean, the, the scientists have models that project stuff and, you know, it's hard to say. Um, but uh, what you know, the best science is that by the end of the century, we'll probably have a minimum three foot sea level rise, maybe up to over six feet. And the problem with sea level rises is not just the slow sea level rise, but then what it does to moments of crisis, these major storms. And the thing that concerns me is, um, you know, what is society going to do about this? So we could say, well, the, the, the models predict that, that there will be 
um, this many more droughts, this many more storms. But that doesn't actually answer your question necessarily. What will the world be like is actually answered by understanding what will society do. So let's say we have 20 or 30 or 40 years to deal with um, five or six Harveys simultaneously. We, let's project that's coming. Well, what do we have to do to make sure that's not a catastrophe that turns into massive collapse in property values, triggers financial panics, and a general depression? What kind of policies have to be in place for us to deal with this properly? We'd have to have a kind of major rethink and redevelopment of our civil defense uh, infrastructure. There's all sorts of details and, and specific technologies, building uh, you know, alternate, uh, artificial reefs, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the core fundamental issues in it are there's going to have to be redistribution. We cannot continue on with um, this tremendously lopsided version of American capitalism where the rich just get richer and richer and we have more and more people in a stagnant economic condition. There's got to be redistribution and that comes in part in the support for people who are in these coastal regions who are going to get hammered, who do need to be you know, pulling back from coastal regions. And the, the role of the state has to be rethought. We live under this mythology that the free market handles everything. That's not true. That's not actually how American capitalism works, right? We have a very large public sector. The state has a long history of innovating and investing um, and, uh, you know, being in the lead of, of producing all sorts of things. The, the, the iPhone has 12 different government-produced, originally government-produced technologies in it. But we're in denial of that. We think about Steve Jobs. We don't think about the government. So we have to get real about the role of planning and subsidy in a market economy. We have to realize that this is a mixed economy. We, we either plan blindly without admitting it or we're going to have to plan consciously. And if we plan consciously, the future of extreme storms could be very different than if we carry on as we are now in well, there's, denial. There, there, there's one other possibility that occurs to me. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I've, I, I, I've worked in India and I've worked in South Sudan um, and, and Kenya, places, well, South Sudan and India anyway, that have uh, rainy seasons that are pretty profound. And what happens during those rainy seasons is that people die and infrastructure gets wiped out, but people just kind of hunker down and it, it arguably is perpetuating poverty in some ways. I mean, you know, some of it they, they work with, but some of it, it absolutely works against them. Could it just be that as the as the middle class of America continues to sink into being, you know, a Dickensian kind of, you know, lower working class, uh, poorer and poorer, and that climate starts pounding us, that we just basically, you know, our standard of living collapses and we become like Bangladesh or, or Pakistan or, or parts of India? Certainly. Uh, if if the 100,000 or so homes in Houston, which seem to have been pretty badly damaged, right, if there's about that many, 85% of them don't have flood insurance. If there's no aid for them, a lot of these people are going to be wiped out. They'll be left living in the carcasses of their moldy homes. And in the very near short term, we're, you know, we're looking at a large number of Americans seeing their standard of living significantly decline throw into that the fact that there are 13 Superfund sites in Houston that have been inundated. So they'll be living not only amidst mold, but amid to toxicity with no doubt rising uh, in in incidents of disease, mosquitoes everywhere. So yeah, um, that's, that is the major risk from climate change. It translates into a lowering of the standard of living for most people, not necessarily off in some distant future, but bit by bit, beginning, you know, here and now with Harvey. Yeah. That yeah. could be avoided. You know, we have the laws, we have the money, we have the technology. We just don't have the political will to take responsibility. But I am also hopeful because there's a, there's something that interesting that happens during these moments in the, the storms. You know, everyday life in America, we're bombarded with, mark, with arguments about how the market is uh, omniscient and omnipotent and perfect. But then a storm comes and the, the discussion isn't about how much money everybody has and what you can get with it. It's about human generosity and human solidarity. And also, without naming it, there's a lot of it is about redistribution. Those who have are expected to give to those in need. And this is actually a principle 
that society, whether we acknowledge it or not, is really dependent on and, and built around. And a better society could be built around the, the, that ethos that emerges from people in moments of storms. But we have to articulate it. We have to have political movements and politicians that are, are consciously uh, trying to harness these these moments of solidarity and turn them into policies. Yeah. A little earlier, I was talking about on this program about how um, the, the great crash of 1929 was one of those crises that caused people to come together, that, that we tend to come together around disasters. And, and, and that provides then the consensus for something that's a little more democratic socialist than, you know, pure libertarian, you know, tough luck, Charlie economics. Anyhow, Dr. Christian Parenti, uh, so great to have you with us. Christian Parenti, P-A-R-E-N-T-I dot com, the website. Uh, Dr. Parenti, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Great talking. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between. Plus, best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.